We've all got questions about the Bible and Christianity. Some of us are Christians and want to know how best to live for God and show our love for Him. Some of us are curious about what it means to follow Jesus. And some of us are skeptical of the idea of religion in general. Whatever your background, we invite you into these conversations that strive to take an honest look at what the Bible has to say on a wide variety of subjects. Each week, we will discuss questions that have been sent in from all around the world and try to find truth and practical application in God's Word. If you have any questions or follow-up comments, contact us anytime by emailing info at broadwaycoc.com. I'm Jed Lovejoy, and these are Conversations with Dan. All right. Hello, everybody. (laughs) You're funny. (laughs) Welcome to another conversation here with Dan. Now, for those that are listening on podcasts that can't see, Dan has brought a prop for this week's video. He is wearing a prayer shawl. Yes. That he brought back, or did someone give this to you? I brought it back from Israel last year. Brought it back from Israel. It's got the tassels. It's got all the imagery, you know, embroidered on it and everything. So I'm not sure what's about to happen here. Uh, But I'll go ahead and toss out the question. Go ahead. The question that we got this week is, do women need to wear head coverings? So there's the question. (laughs) All right, everybody turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 11. Okay. And we're going to begin with verse 2 because that's actually where Paul's Mm -hmm. break begins. Okay. And uh, he's finishing one discussion in uh, 1 Corinthians 8 through 10 about eating food sacrificed to idols, Mm -hmm. and he advised strongly against it. And then in chapter 11, he's beginning to talk about um, the the worship assembly, and he's going to talk about appropriate attire, particularly for women in the worship assembly. <clears throat> okay. And he begins it, uh, verse 2, uh, you know, and, and he talks about the divine order of headship. Read, read mm. verse 2 and 3 there for us, if you would. He says, Now I command commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. All right. There is a divine order of headship. Um, I don't completely understand it, but here he says it quite clearly. Mm -hmm. Uh, The head of Christ is God. The head of the woman is the man. uh, And the head of... Uh, the man is Christ. The man is Christ. Mm-hmm. That's right. So then verse 4 is where it gets a little interesting. It says, every man yeah. praying or prophesying with his head covered shames his head. Now, okay. to, in Judaism, for many, many centuries, when the men would pray, they okay. would put this talit, which is a prayer shawl, over their heads, and they would say various prayers. Yeah. Uh, Baruch Atah Elnai, uh, Melecha Eretz, you know, blessed be you, uh, Lord our God, King of the earth, who brings forth bread from the earth, whatever. And they'll pray, and they'll recite their prayers and cover their head. Okay. Even though it's saying, if he's covering his head, he's dishonoring it. Yeah, and and his head would be Christ in this instance. Okay. I don't understand why that is. Um, 
And I don't understand if this related only to the Gentile mm. uh, culture of Corinth, yeah. or it was talking about Jewish people, although in Acts 18, uh, verse like 7 and 8, we read that, that uh, Paul first went into Corinth and he preached in the synagogue at Corinth. And then most of those rejected him, and he he preached to the Gentiles. Um, But somehow, for men to pray in that place with their heads covered was a shame Mm. to their head, which is Christ. Again, I've researched this in ancient culture. I have no idea why that's the case. But he goes on to say... Before we go on, in verse 5, is it two different words for head? Like, covers... same. Same word in verse 4. Covers his head and then Christ's head. Same, same. Okay. But it goes back to what was said in verse Mm 3, where he says, you know, the head of every man is Christ, the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Yeah. So your head, depending on who you are, is either the man or Christ or God. See. And so then if I pray... Or prophesy with my head covered, like my physical head. Yep. I'm dishonoring my head, who is Christ. That's what it says. And then if you go to okay. verse 5, every woman praying or prophesying with her head uncovered. Okay. And um, this this word uh, means, you know, to uncover as if to be unveiled. And mm. I would translate it unveiled shames her head. That is, she shames her husband. She shames hmm. the man. Okay. Now, there's there's a lot of discussion to be done on this, but... That's a little uh, confusing already. Yeah. <laughs> well, in um, one article that I looked at, which was about customs of ancient head coverings in that culture, mm-hmm. it was the practice of many Greek pagan women women that would have lived in Corinth and other places like that in the in the Gentile Greek world yeah. who were participating in pagan cult activities, like in idolatrous activities. Yeah. They would do that with their heads uncovered. Hmm. And it often it oftentimes it involved fornication and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And for a Christian woman to come to church with her head uncovered was as if if I understand this correctly, she did not belong to her husband, but was open to anybody, almost, Hmm. and in that pagan culture. What's doubly interesting about this is that there's two other passages, one with Paul and one with Peter, where the same idea is uh, addressed about women's dress, particularly in 1 Timothy 2, uh, with um, women's dress in the assembly. Now, some people would say that they don't think that 1 Timothy 2 is about the assembly. I yeah. do. And the reason is, in, in 1 Timothy 2, verse 8, mm-hmm. Paul says, I would, therefore, that the men should pray in every place, uh, lifting up holy hands without wrath and disputing. Right. And I really believe that that is talking about... Um, the uh, the assembly because in Paul's experience in the synagogue with the Pharisees and everything, uh, there's there's a whole segment of scripture, in, uh, not scripture, in the mission of the teaching of the Pharisees. Yeah. There's a whole segment called Barakoth, and there's uh, another uh, 
segment on the the feast that happened at time of Esther and in these different places it talks about in Judaism in the synagogue who could lead the prayers yeah and the way that's said in the Mishnah is who can go before the ark and lift up the hands hmm. and it had to be a man and it had to be somebody with certain qualifications yeah and this man would go before the ark of scrolls that was at the front of the synagogue and he would lift up his hands and he would lead the congregation in prayer. This wasn't something that, that the entire congregation did. This was what the prayer leader did. Yeah. So when Paul says, I want the men to lift up holy hands, he's saying in his Jewish language, mm -hmm. I want them to be the prayer leaders. Now, okay. sometimes they led corporate prayers. Right. And those corporate prayers... Everybody would join in with the leader, mm -hmm. but he was still the one. Leading but he that was prayer. the one leading, and, okay. and because it mentions this, that's the reason I think it's in the assembly. But the next verse, there, verse yes. nine says, "It says that also women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel, with modesty, self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire." but what is proper for women who profess godliness. All right, notice there that Paul mentions nothing about wearing a veil. Mm -hmm. But he does say that he wants the women in Ephesus, which is where Timothy was, yeah. to dress modestly and appropriately as befits women uh, professing godliness. In Revelation 17, uh, you see a description of the great harlot there mm -hmm. in Revelation 17. Yep. And if uh, if you look down through there and it talks about her with her gold and pearls and braided hair and all that, what verse? Let's see. Can <clears throat> woman drunk with blood, ten dwellers in the mind. I'll find it here in a minute yeah. if, if you, you don't run on it. You probably know. Go down to verse 4 of okay. Revelation 17. Ah, there we go. Uh, the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. All right, so if you compare 1 Timothy 2.9 to that verse, mm -hmm. you'll see that the harlot looks just like Paul said women in church shouldn't look. Yeah. So don't dress like a harlot to get everybody's attention in church. D dress in a more demure, yeah. uh, uh, modest manner. But it's interesting that in Corinth, Paul insisted that the woman wear a head covering, a veil. Yeah. And in um, Ephesus, he simply said, dress modestly. Yeah. So it seems to me that in, in some way that the specific application of the principle was different in Corinth than it was in Ephesus. Because it seems to be that it's not as much about the physical items as it is the attitude being displayed. Or the principle of modesty. Okay. If you go to 1 Peter chapter 3, mm -hmm. Peter wrote to the women of the Black Sea region. And um, <clears throat> he, in that uh, passage, talks about um, women's dress. Uh, go down mm -hmm. to... Verse 2 and 3? Verse 2 and 3, yes. Uh, when they see... When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of the hair, the wearing of gold, or the putting on of clothing. But let your adorning be in the hidden person of your heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. And you'll notice how similar this is to Paul's instruction in 1 Timothy 2. Hmm. 
So again, Peter doesn't mention the need for the women in the Black Sea region to wear wear a veil. Yeah. Paul doesn't mention it to the book uh, to the people at Ephesus, mm-hmm. but he very specifically hammers on it in Corinth. Yeah. So I think all three passages have the same principle in mind that women should come dressed they should be dressed in a way that respects their husband and shows deference to marriage and all that stuff and tells people that that they're not um, promiscuous, that they they respect headship and they belong to their own husband, or if they're not married, they're under the rule of their own father. Mm-hmm. But the application of that principle seems to have been different in Corinth hmm. than it was in Ephesus yeah. with Paul and in the Black Sea region. So it would be a similar thing to say the look that is, you know, a modest look may be different in the United States than it is in Brazil yes. or, you know, other countries. If we anywhere. were in Afghanistan, then it might be appropriate for a woman to wear a head covering. And uh, kata kalupto is the word for to cover your head. Mm-hmm. And there, there, there wasn't a little doily on the top of their head. No. It was like this and over like this and, you know. Right. It was like so, kind of. It was, it was covering up the head. Okay. And um, so it the, was a sign of modesty and a sign of respect respect for their own husband. I belong to my husband. Mm-hmm. I don't belong to any of you. Yeah. So then going back to where we started with the, with the verse about the man who prays and he, if he covers his head... Was that still a cultural thing? Because like that one, I I've got to do more research on because I've not been able to find exactly um, why in in Corinth that would be deemed to be a shame. Uh, I remember growing up, you know, because of this passage. Oh yeah. As a young preacher, my uncle, who was an elder in Texas, I'd be coming in out of the out of the hot and sweating and everything and wearing my whatever hat I had on my cap, you know, and he'd yeah. say, boy, take that cap off your head when we pray. Uh-huh. Yes, sir, I'd say, and we'd have to bow and pray. Yeah. But this was his reason. Yeah. And it's it's funny because I was thinking the same thing. It's like, yeah. it's a big deal if a guy doesn't have his hat off when he's praying, but then in the same time, I mean, some of the cultural groups that still gather, it's more common for the women to wear a hat or different head coverings. Right. But then, you know, if you come into Broadway, there may be a couple wearing a hat, but it's not a, all the women are wearing hats, yes. you know. And I think some people, you know, he, he does say down here, you know, that, that you even learn this by longstanding practice of haircuts. That, yeah. You know, women have long hair and it's a glory to them. Men have short hair. But, and he says, doesn't nature itself teach you? That word means, it can't mean nature, nature in this passage because... If you let a man and a woman go in nature, just in their natural state, both of their hair is going to grow long. Yeah. But he's saying long-standing practice, and I guess in that culture, right, taught them that women with long hair was the right thing and, and men uh, with short hair. But his point is that women need a, a covering. God, He said mm. God gave them a covering. Women need a covering. But he only made that cor- that point to the mm. women at Corinth. Okay. Uh, some people try to argue that Paul didn't really mean for the women in Corinth to wear veils. Yes, he did. Yeah. Very plainly, in, if you read down Corinth. through verse 16. Yeah. Yes. But he doesn't make the same requirement 
in specifics to the women at Ephesus, nor does Peter to the women in the Black Sea. What they all say is mm-hmm. you need to dress in a way that's modest, respectful, toward marriage, your husband, etc. Yeah, so. and usually paired along with there, it's a similar command to the men, maybe not in so many specifics, but it's that sort of be respectful to your wife, be respectful to your yeah. headship under Christ. And again, I'm, so. I'm at a loss on why is it wrong for the man to cover his head? And it may be simply that it was looked at as displaying a lack of... Uh, male leadership or something like that in in that culture? I don't know. Don't know either. If anybody out there has a good reference, send it our way. Yeah, not an opinion, yeah. but a reference from ancient sources. Yeah, yeah. Some scholarly work to reference. Yeah, not scholarly, but give us, a, give us some, you know, give us something from Pausanias, uh, a Greek historian in the second century or from Strabo, the geographer, for some from somebody back there that lived at that time. There we go, and I'll have Dan. <laughs> I'll have Dan translate it for me. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, that was an interesting question. Uh, took us in some places that. Again, we don't have all of the answers for, nor will we always have them because you know, it's we're dealing with ancient cultures here. That's uh, right. Lots going on. But thanks for exploring it with us. And if you have any comments or follow-ups to this, by all means, like we said, send them on in. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to these weekly conversations between myself and Dr. Dan Owen. Conversations with Dan is an outreach and teaching ministry of the Broadway Church of Christ in Paducah, Kentucky. You can find us online through most of the major social media sites or through our website, broadwaycoc.com.